Let's turn around, shake hands and fellowship one with another.
Praise the Lord. Let's set our ushers come forward to receive our offering. Some are praying down here. Anytime you want to come and pray, you help yourself. That's what we're here for. Amen. To meet the Lord. Let me just make mention real quickly of a couple of things. Uh, there will be a nursery meeting tonight at 545 in the Couples for Christ classroom. And all of those that are going to be helping us in our nursery, we open our new nurseries next Sunday. And uh, we still need some workers in there. But all of those are going to help us meet tonight at 545. Very important meeting. And then, of course, Awana, we're getting that kicked back off. All the workers, clubbers need to wear their uniforms tonight. Meet in the Sunday school foyer at 615. Also, there'll be an opportunity for parents to pre-register their children for Awana tonight before and after the services in the Sunday school foyer. And then, of course, we start September the 12th. And we'll be having a special time of dedication tonight for this coming year of Awana. Let's pray. And you give today. Let me encourage you to be faithful in your giving and encourage you to uh, give every week. Two things are very, very important to us in our future plans and all the things that are going on. One, we need everybody to give and everybody all to give, not because of our future plans. You all to give because it's right to give, amen, and because it's an act of obedience on your part. But give to the Lord. Everybody give. Give weekly and give faithfully to the Lord. And then special gifts to the building fund, things like that. Uh, all of that is appreciated and needed. So we ask you to keep all these things in mind. Hopefully by around December, uh, we'll be able to get you something that will show you actually what we're doing. And they're working on that now. And you'll be able to get a better idea of where we're going. But I'm excited about what's going on. Amen. And God is good. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering now. Continue to touch this service. Thank you for your grace. Bless the giving in Jesus' name. Amen.
died for us. The one who loved us enough to woo us to himself. All that the Father giveth me, Jesus said, and he giveth through his Holy Spirit, he woos us to Jesus. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast him out. <laughs> what a glorious truth. And one day we'll see him who loved us that much. I dreamed of a city called glory.
shadow on the horizon drawing closer day by day and the shadow shows no mercy as it comes together all the souls no respecter of any person it claims a people the strong old. all must pass through the valley of the shadow man and wall
of you believe Jesus is coming back. Amen. Well, let's talk about that. Look in Luke chapter 21. The book of Luke chapter 21. I want you to notice with me one verse of scripture. Luke 21. Let's stand as we honor the public reading of his word. Luke 21 verse 28. I want us to think about this thought. Jesus is coming back at midnight and it's 1159. Jesus is coming back at midnight, and it's 11.59. Look at Luke 21, verse 28. Luke 21, 28. Look at this great verse of Scripture. Jesus said, And when these things began to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption Draw it nigh. We've been singing a lot about that redemption this morning. Let me read it to you again. Luke 21, verse 28. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And this morning we'll look at this one verse of Scripture and draw from it some thoughts that I trust God will use to encourage your hearts this morning. Our Father, we thank you so much for the many, many wonderful things that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this book. We thank you, Lord, for the promises of this book. We thank you, Lord, today specifically for the promise of your return. We've been reminded this morning through song of your return. We've been reminded, Lord, that in that hour that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. We've been reminded, Lord, of what that coming and what your return will mean to every believer. So, Father, we ask you now to give us a heart to hear what the Spirit of God is saying through his word. I pray this morning that you would open all of our hearts and speak to us today. Help us to understand the Scripture, put it into our hearts, and we'll thank you and praise you for it is. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. One of the great subjects of the Bible is the return of Jesus Christ. It has been said that in the Old Testament there are 1,845 references to the return of Jesus Christ. And a total of 17 Old Testament books gives the theme of the return of Jesus Christ prominence. Of the 260 chapters in the entire New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming or one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament have reference to his return. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to this great event. For every one prophecy on the first coming of Christ, there are eight prophecies on the second coming of Christ. It is a great subject in the Bible. But I would also remind you this morning that it is not only a great subject, but it is a glorious subject. As the songwriter said, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. 
When I think about the return of Jesus Christ, I say, oh, what a day that will be when Jesus comes again. It'll be a glorious day for every child of God. It'll be a glorious moment for everyone that has been saved. His coming is a great subject, and His coming is a glorious subject. Well, as you look at the Bible, you find that Jesus had much to say about His return. In the one verse of Scripture that I read to you this morning, Jesus is talking about His return. So I want us to look at this one verse, and there are three things that I want you to notice from verse 28 about what Jesus had to say about His return. Jot these three things down. The first one is this. Jesus spoke of the matter of looking around. Jesus talked about the matter of looking around. Notice these words in verse 28. Jesus said, and when these things began to come to pass. Someone might ask the question, can anyone know if Jesus Christ is soon to return? Jesus tells us that we can know that his return is drawing near by looking around. Jesus was telling us in Luke 21, verse 28, to look around. And when you look around, it will tell you that my coming is drawing nigh. Notice his words a little more carefully. He talked about the events that precede his coming. He talked about the events that precede his coming. Jesus explained in the context of our state verse today that there were certain things that would happen, certain things that would precede his return. Notice back in verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Jesus describes certain events that will occur prior to his coming and shortly after he returns. He described these events as producing several things. He described, for one thing, as these events as producing disturbing times. He talked about signs in the sun. Signs in the moon, signs in the stars. He was describing unusual and unprecedented happenings that will occur in the world and in the universe around us. Disturbing times. He also described these events as producing discordant times. He talked about distress among nations. He was talking about tension and strife and fighting among nations. Jesus made the statement in Matthew 24, 6 that there would be wars and rumors of wars. There would be uh, discordant times. But he also described these events as producing destructive times. He spoke of the sea and the waves roaring. It was almost like Jesus was saying that nature at some point would be all out of whack and it would leave a path of devastation in his path, producing disturbing and destructive times. But he also described these events as producing uh, distressing times. Jesus spoke of men's hearts failing them for fear. Jesus described events. He's talking about things that would precede his return. But you also see in his words, not only does he speak of events that will precede his return, but he also spoke of these events as evidence that proclaims his return. You see, Jesus not only declared that these events would precede his return, but he also explained that these things would serve as evidence that Jesus Christ and his return was drawing nigh. 
Jesus was telling us that through these things that we could know that he was soon to return. Now let me go on record this morning and just throw this in here and just go on record and say that no one can know and no one can predict the day or the hour that Jesus will return. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, but at that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Jesus was saying nobody can know the day and nobody can know the hour. And he was also saying that no one could predict the day and no one could predict the hour. But in spite of what Jesus said, there have been those that have made predictions and those that have climbed out on prophetic limbs and sawed that limb off behind them by saying Jesus was coming on a certain day. You may remember back in the late 80s, there was a book that came out entitled 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Would Be in 1990 or 1988. It was written by a fellow by the name of Edgar Wisnett. And that one book sold more than four and a half million copies in the United States alone. And what he did, he used a peculiar mix of facts about ancient Israel's major feasts and data about ancient, Israel, about ancient and modern calendars to conclude that Christ was going to come back in September of 1988. But as we know, he did not come. Well, Mr. Wisnett, he announced that he had miscalculated by one year. And then he wrote another book entitled The Final Shout. And, of course, he was wrong again. I think about a story that I put in the book, that I, my book that is coming out next month, of a story about a Viola Walker and her 10-month vigil of waiting for the return of Christ and the end of the world. In September of 1975, 67-year-old Viola Walker of Arkansas told her relatives that she had received a message from God that the second coming and the end of the world was drawing nigh. So 21 of her relatives joined her in a vigil to wait for Christ's return in a three-bedroom house. They took their children out of school, quit paying their bills, quit paying their light bills, water bills, and uh, mortgage payments and whatever. And so their vigil was interrupted 10 months later when deputy marshals came to their house to evict them because the bank had foreclosed on the mortgage of the house they were staying in. Well, I would recommend to you today that if you're going to set a date, at least pay your bills until he gets there. Can I say amen right there? But the simple truth of the matter is no one can predict the day. And no one can predict the hour when Jesus Christ will come again. However... We are not left in total darkness. We may not be able to predict the day or the hour, but we can know that His coming is getting close. That's what Jesus is telling us in our text. He is telling us that when certain things began to happen, the words there we talked about, and these things began to come to pass, literally, when these things commence. Not just the fulfillment of them, but when we began to see the commencement of these things. Jesus said, then lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. What he was saying is that these things, when they began to happen, and when they begin to occur, they will serve as evidence that his return is getting close. Now, I do not consider myself to be an expert in Bible prophecy. That's never been my major theme of study through the years. But I do understand enough to know that many of the things that are happening in our day and time are indicators that Jesus Christ is soon to come. It's like someone said, I once heard someone say, we are so near the return of Jesus Christ, I stopped looking at signs and started listening for the shout. I like that, amen? Jesus Christ is soon to come. You believe that? Say amen. 
In fact, Jesus said, you can know that my return is drawing near. I think about an interesting statement made in Hebrews. He talked about in Hebrews 10, 25, the forsaking of our assembling, of forsaking of the assembling of ourselves together. And he said, we should do so more, so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Jesus was telling us, or rather the writer of Hebrews was telling us, that we could see the day approaching. He was saying that we could look at certain things. We could look around, and these things would tell us that Jesus Christ is soon to come. I think a Bible say, and this is what it said, part of it. He said, hello. He said, I'm a 42-year-old Christian man. Soon after I received the Holy Spirit, in January of 1995, I was the recipient of a prophetic vision from the Lord. One afternoon after preparing to run errands, I fell into a trance-like state. He said, I saw the pyramids of Egypt and a calendar of stones spinning around me, and there was a date on the calendar, May 5th, 2000. And as the vision came to a conclusion, these words were abruptly planted in my mind, the builders will return. And he went on to explain that the builders were demonic spirits responsible for UFOs. And, and he spoke of assortment of things that would occur once they came and how these things were all going to take place before Christ came for the true church. Well, I'd say about that fellow, I'm not sure he received a prophetic vision from the Lord. My opinion, he probably ate too many crystals. Can I get an amen right there? I like crystals. If you eat a bag of those things, you'll see more in the pyramids of Egypt, amen, or the Bible. It doesn't say anything about builders coming, but it does have a lot to say about Jesus coming. And it is very evident. Jesus said, look around. If you want to know how, my, how near my return is, look around. These things, when they began to happen, when these things commence, my coming is drawing nigh. How close do I believe the return of Jesus Christ is? The best way I know how to say it is, Jesus is coming at midnight and it's 1159. Jesus is saying, look around. When these things began to come to pass. But look at the second thing I want you to notice in the text. Jesus not only tells us to look around, but he also tells us to look above. Notice what he said in verse 28. Jesus told us that when certain things commence or when certain things begin to happen, then, notice, look up and lift up your heads. Jesus was not only telling us to look around, but he was also telling us to look above. And it was more carefully what he had to say. You find in his words that he talks about the expectation that should fill our heart. Jesus tells us that when certain things begin to happen, then he, Jesus said, then look up. Now follow me for a moment. These words look up are very, very interesting. They're descriptive of someone that has been seat, sit, sit, sitting down, and all of a sudden they stand up and they lean back. It's like Jesus is saying, now, when these things begin to happen, you need to get up and you need to start watching for the skies. When these things commence and when these things happen, it's time to look up. I don't know about you, but when I turn on my news, Channel 59, Fox News, say amen right there. When I turn on my news and I see the things that are going on in the world, I feel like sometimes just getting up 
and going outside and looking around, looking at this cloud, looking at that cloud, thinking this may be the one Jesus is coming on. When I open, open my newspaper and look at all the things that are going on in this world, I want to get up and just look up because Jesus Christ is soon to come. When I read this blessed old book and read what this Bible has to say, it's hard for me to keep from just getting up and just looking up and thinking, this might be the day that he'll come back again. In fact, I want to recommend you do something. You ought to go home this afternoon, get right out in the middle of your yard and lean back and look up and just walk around and just stay out there and just look and look and look. In a little while, your neighbors will come out the door and they'll start looking up and they'll try to figure out what you're looking at. And finally, when somebody comes over and say, what are you looking at? Just tell them. I went to church this morning. The preacher told me he's soon to come, and I'm looking for him to come. Amen. Amen. Nothing else than to keep the neighbors from bothering you. Can I get an amen right there? (laughs) I'm talking about Jesus coming again. He said, look around you. And when you look around, then you'll realize I'm soon to come. Look up. I could come back at any moment. The expectation that fills our hearts, realizing when we see these things that he's so soon to come, we all expect him to come back at any moment. But not only the expectation that fills our heart, but the encouragement that fills our heart. For you notice Jesus not only said, look up, but notice that he also said, lift up your heads. Jesus said, now, when you see these things beginning to happen happen around you, then it's time to start looking above. Look up. And then he said, lift up your heads. What he's saying is the coming and the nearness of the coming of the Lord should not only fill your hearts with expectancy, but it ought to fill your hearts with encouragement. Let me explain. See those words, lift up your heads? The picture is of someone with their shoulders slumping down and their hands dangling down their side and their head is down. The picture is of someone that is weary. The picture is of someone that is discouraged. Someone says, Brother Ken, it is so hard. There's so many problems and so many burdens and so many trials and so many heartaches and so many disappointments in life. Brother Ken, there are times that I just feel like giving up, and I understand that. We've all been there, the troubles and the trials and the burdens of life, and we find ourselves discouraged, and we find ourselves weary. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Lift up your head. Jesus is saying, I'm about to come back again. Jesus said, don't let your head hang down in discouragement. I'm about to come. Lift up your head. This thing's about to come to an end. Are you about ready to throw in the towel this morning? Are you about ready to raise a white flag? Then listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, lift up your head. I'm soon to come. Are you tired of the physical burdens of life? Are you tired of your physical trials? Jesus said, then lift up your head. My coming is drawing nigh. Are you tired of pain? Are you tired of suffering? Are you tired of heartache? Then lift up your heads. Jesus is soon to come. Are you struggling and fighting to make ends meet? Is life beating you down? Is life beating you down? Then listen to what Jesus said. Don't look down. Look up. I'm about ready to come back again. He's telling me when you see these things happen, then look up. I'm going to come back again. I remember a little sign they used to have in Lanham's Bible bookstore. You remember that? 
When you walked inside, right there on the counter was a sign that said, Cheer up, Christian. You'll soon be dead. Well, I want to say to you this morning, Cheer up. Jesus is about to come. It's midnight, or he's coming at midnight, and it's 1159. Jesus is coming again. Can I get an amen right there? Jesus said, look around you. It tells you my coming is drawing nigh. Look above. Take heart. I'm about to come. But then there's a third and a final thing Jesus talked about. He not only talked about looking around and talked about looking above, But he also talked about looking ahead. For notice what he said in our text. He talked about your redemption drawing nigh. Now Jesus not only taught us to look around when you see these things began to come to pass and to look above, look up and lift up your head, but he also began to tell us about what the return of Jesus Christ would mean to the believer and how that it would bring a certain kind of redemption. And he talked about looking ahead at what is going to happen for the believer. What do you mean? What did Jesus mean when he talked about redemption? When you look at the subject of redemption in the Bible, you find that redemption in the Bible is spoken of in three ways. There's a redemption that speaks of a work in the past, and there's a redemption that speaks of a work in the present, and there is a redemption that speaks of a work in the future. And it all has to do with our salvation from sin. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about for one thing. There is our redemption from the penalty of sin. Romans 3.24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the word redemption simply talks about someone being released because a ransom has been paid for them. You realize one day we were lost and we were sinners and we were condemned to die? We were under the penalty of sin. We were slaves, but you might say captives, and we were penalized or we were put in behind bars because of the penalty that we owed. But thanks be to God, Jesus paid that ransom and paid the debt. And as the old song says, I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. I have been redeemed from the penalty of sin. We don't have to go to hell. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? We don't have to go to hell. We've been reconciled to God. That's redemption in the past tense. We have been saved. We have been redeemed. We have been redeemed from the penalty of sin. But not only does it talk about redemption from the penalty of sin, but redemption from the power of sin. See, I have not only been saved, and don't let this confuse you, but I am also being saved. Romans 5.10 said, For if, When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved or redeemed by His life. Now, Paul tells me that I have been reconciled to God, past tense. That's already happened. But he says there's more. In fact, he said there's much more than that. He said I am also being being saved by His life a resurrected Christ and His work in my life. What he's talking about is that we have been saved from the penalty of sin, but the redemptive work of Christ, a resurrected Christ, is saving me from the power of sin. He's working in our life every day to make us victorious over sin, to help us to enable us to say no to the world, the flesh, and the devil. In that sense, we are being saved. We are being redeemed from the power of sin. But Jesus talked about our redemption drawing nigh. 
He not only was talking about a redemption from the penalty of sin and a redemption from the power of sin, but blessed be his name. He was talking about a redemption from the presence of sin. Jesus spoke of our redemption drawing nigh. He spoke of a day when not only would we have been saved from sin and saved from the power of sin, but one of these days we were going to be delivered from the very presence of sin. Romans 8, 32. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. He said in Ephesians 4, 1, 14, which is the earnings of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. He's talking about a redemption that is in the future. Now, what is he talking about? Let me explain. Do you realize this morning that all human suffering and sickness is because of sin? All of our sickness and all of our suffering is due to sin. Before man sinned, there was no such thing as sickness. Before man sinned, there was no such thing as suffering. Before man sinned, no one ever had cancer. Before man sinned, no one ever had a stroke. Before man sinned, no one ever had a heart attack. Before man sinned, no one was ever blind. Before man sinned, no one was ever deaf. Before man sinned, no one was ever crippled. Before man sinned, there were no little mongoloid or Down syndrome babies ever born. Before man sinned, there was no one born with physical deformities or mental deficiencies. Every sickness and every disease and every form of human suffering known to man can trace its roots back to sin. But not only is sin responsible for all of our suffering and sickness, but it's also responsible for all of our heartache. Do you realize that before man sinned, no one ever got laid off from a job? Before man sinned, no one ever had an accident. Before man sinned, no husband ever ran off with another woman or a wife with another man. Before man sinned, no child ever lived in a broken home. Before man sinned, no parent ever sat up to three and four in the morning worrying about a child. And before man sinned, no parent ever had his or her heart broken by a rebellious and a wayward son or daughter. Before man sinned, no one ever got a phone call telling them their loved one had been hurt or killed in an accident. Before man sinned, no one ever had to watch a loved one dwindle down to skin and bones or had to sit at the bedside of a loved one and watch them struggle for their next breath. Before man sinned, no one ever had to sit in the waiting room of an intensive care unit fearful that a doctor's going to walk through those doors any moment and tell them their loved one was gone. You see, all of our heartache can trace its roots back to sin. Even death is because of sin. Before man sinned, the world had, the world, no one had ever died. Before man sinned, no one ever died from cancer. Before man sinned, no one ever died from a heart attack. Before man sinned, no one ever died from an accident. Before man sinned, no one ever died from old age. Before man sinned, no one was ever killed. No one ever died. You see, the entrance and the presence of sin is the reason and cause for many things that we experience in this life. But glory, glory be to God. Our redemption, are you listening to me? Our redemption draweth nigh. When Jesus talked about redemption drawing nigh, he was saying that one of these days I'm coming back. And when I do, I'll not only save you from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin, but I'm going to save you from the very, very 
presence of sin. Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, then look up, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. What is he talking about? He's telling us that when he returns, he's going to take us out of this world and he's going to take us to a world where there are no hospitals, where there are no doctors, where there is no medicine, where there is no intensive care units, where there is no emergency rooms. He's telling us he's going to take us out of this world and to a world where there is no funeral homes and where there is no graves. He said, your redemption draweth nigh. Blessed be his name. Amen. Amen. I think about the songwriter William Wofford, his great hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. He said, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. You listen to me this morning. There's something else I'm going to say farewell to. Jesus said when he comes, my redemption. When he comes, I'm going to say farewell to the very presence of sin. I'm going to wave down at this old world and say farewell to all sickness. I'm going to wave, say farewell to all suffering. I'm going to say farewell to all heartache. I'm going to say farewell to all disappointment. I'm going to say farewell to all tears. I'm going to say farewell to all grief. I'm going to say farewell to all problems. I'm going to say farewell death. My redemption has come. God has taken me out of this whole world and giving me a new body. Glory be to his name. He's coming back. Are you ready? Jesus said his promise. His promise is a great and a glorious promise. He said when I, he said, look around. All these things tell you I'm about to come. He said, look up. Don't get discouraged. Don't run around defeated. Look up. I'm about ready to take you out of this world. And Jesus said, when I come again, your redemption will be complete. Are you glad for that? Rick, let's sing it. Choir, let's sing it. I want you to stand. Choir's going to do a song. I want you to listen to it. He said, when these things began to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads for your redemption Draw it nigh. Do you believe that? The choir's going to sing. When they sing, you need to come, you come. If you're here today and you're not saved, you come. You're not right with God, you come. You need to come and pray, you come. You want to come and join our church, you come. But listen, Jesus said, listen to the choir. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads for your redemption. Draw a nine. Sing it, Rick. Listen. <laughs> Farewell, little world. The city of life. Goodbye, intensive care units. For the army. Goodbye, breathing Anchor. machines. Goodbye, chemotherapy. With all of their mind. Goodbye, open heart Listen. Your redemption. Oh, yes. <laughs> Listen to it. Listen. 
you see these things began to come to pass. Look up. Heaven's choir. Don't be discouraged. Jesus is coming. Redemption. Listen. Listen. Everything's ready (laughs) for the bride and the king. He's coming at midnight. It's 11.59. Listen. goodness he's coming again amen praise his name to God be the glory there may be those here today you haven't come I'm talking about the return of Jesus Christ so listen to me it's he's coming at midnight and it's 1159 we are that near the return of Jesus Christ look around there's enough to tell you His coming can't be far away. There's enough going on in this old world to tell you that Jesus is soon to come. You need to be ready. You need to have it settled. You need to know. If you're here today and you're not certain you're saved, you ought to come. Jesus is coming. He's coming at midnight and it's 1159. You need to be ready. You need to prepare. Some of you are not living for God. You ought to live for God. He's coming. And what time you've got to serve him is very, very little. You need to give your life to God. You need to serve God. Give him everything. You need to be obedient to the will of God for your life. You need to obey him in every little detail. He's coming at midnight. It's 1159. You've got very little time to serve God. You ought to come give your life to the Lord. There may be others here today. Have needs in your life. 
Doesn't it stir your heart, bless you, and encourage your heart to lift up your head to know that he is soon to come? Lift up your head. Don't be discouraged. This thing's just about over with. This thing's about to come to an end. Our redemption draweth nigh. There are others that have needs. You ought to come. As we sing, come all across the building. Do so right now in Jesus' name. As we sing, come, come. Let us pray with you. Let us help you today from God's Word as we sing. Yes. Come. Pray at this young man. Amen. Others. Jesus is coming again. Now's the time to get ready. Now's the time to be saved. Now's the time to settle it. Come. Yes. Amen. Sing another stanza, Rick. These are praying others that need to come. Do so. Amen. pray with you all across the building Jesus is coming again so much to tell us that amen for just a moment you believe he's coming back say amen you believe he's soon to come Jesus is coming back good to have Amanda Van Pelt and Jeremy Pfeiffer coming to be with us would you come up here and stand please you glad these folks are coming let's show them our appreciation glad they're here you take a moment and come by and introduce yourself to them right these are Tracy's neighbors aren't you and you still join the church I can't believe that. Glad they're here. You take a moment and come by and introduce yourself to them. Welcome into our church. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have them. Back tonight at 630, don't forget the meetings. Very important meeting in the nursery. Our new nursery is open next Sunday. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave.